0: All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible, Book by Book. I'm Pastor Luke, and this is the book of 2 Corinthians. This is Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, and uh, just want you to remind you that what Paul was uh, doing uh, primarily in 1 Corinthians was uh, he was addressing a very uh, unhealthy, dysfunctional church full of problems, and, and so he's doing two basic things. He is um, rebuking the church for uh, so many of the misconceptions that they have and trying to correct them. Um, and then he's answering a, a lot of questions. And so 1 Corinthians um, is kind of split uh, half and half between uh, Paul explaining uh, some theology and then Paul um, answering some of their questions. And then 2 Corinthians um, is... is not much has changed. Okay, the the church is still struggling. There's still a lot of dysfunction. Uh, there's still a lot of, of uh, misconception going on in second in in the church in Corinth that Paul's addressing in Second Corinthians. Um, and so, what a uh, couple things that are helpful to me when I uh, think about Second Corinthians when I'm reading Second Corinthians is is to understand um, basically the mentality of the Corinthian church. Uh, there, there's a, a, some acceptance of Paul's ministry and teaching and leadership, um, but then there's an underlying current of rebellion or rejection of that. And so uh, Paul, it, what it would appear from the book and from what we know historically, is that Paul had made a visit to the church in Corinth. Um, that visit did not go well, uh, that, that he had uh, found himself in such a um, a, a debate or, or causing so much turmoil by his physical presence in the church in Corinth that he decided to just leave uh, rather than to continue um, to try to address all the issues. And then he would send uh, people back to Corinth with uh, letters, with uh, teaching, with some guidance. And 2 uh, Corinthians is one of those letters. But uh, he sends Titus back with this letter, 2 uh, Corinthians um, in order to really pave the way for Paul to come back to the church in Corinth in, in a healthy way, in a way that will actually um, help and change and, and restore and build them up. Um, but uh, what Paul had done was he would left uh, the church in order to kind of give them a little bit of space. Paul has this tendency uh, to be a, a person who um, causes Um, people to have a a strong reaction to him Uh, wherever he goes. If you read through Acts, um, what you find and and what you see in his letters is that wherever Paul goes, um, he gets a great response um, of both acceptance and rejection, uh, which is not very dissimilar uh, to what Jesus himself found, that when when you have uh, somebody who is speaking the truth um, unapologetically and uh, really uh, has a powerful um, uh, spiritual presence, um, like Paul did, and, and like obviously, like, like Jesus did. Um, people tend to either flock to them um, or to be um, really uh, put off by them in, in one sense or another. And, and really, the sense is threatened, um, and uh, that that sense of fear or or sense of being threatened. Uh, can cause a a pretty strong negative reaction. And so uh, Paul finds that most places that he goes. He finds that in Corinth, and he finds that even within the church itself. And so um, he's trying to uh, give them a a solid enough uh, background of teaching uh, that he can come back and he can really restore some peace and some right practices. And so um, another thing that's helpful to understand 2 Corinthians is that um, it is also still a response to 1 Corinthians. And so in 1 Corinthians, Paul had said um, to uh, the, the church there, the leaders there, uh, that they had this, this underlying problem, this very significant issue, which is that they had people in their church that were sexually immoral and, and, uh, and yet were calling themselves Christians and were sinning in such a way that even the culture of their day um, was basically shocked by it. It, it, was, it was beyond even the, the, the immoral practices of, of their day's culture. Um, and so he addresses that, and he basically tells them in 1 Corinthians that uh, in order to uh, discipline the sexually immoral brother, um, they needed to uh, kick him out of the church. They did not to associate with somebody who was unrepentant, um, who is yet still calling themselves a Christian. And so in 2 Corinthians, you have a response to that whole issue in 2 uh, Corinthians 2, verse 5, following, talking about this this issue, that once that person does repent and they come back to, um, the Lord, that you you need to restore them and not continue to um, push them away and that there needs to be a restoration. This is what grace is all about. And so uh, Paul needed to kind of correct what might have been in the Corinthian church an overcorrection by the people who were trying to be obedient and faithful to what they understood. And so he says, now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you, for such a one, this punishment, by the majority, is enough. Um, And so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him so that he may uh, uh, be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow, uh, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So there's a point where you bring these folks who have experienced that sense of discipline and that their need to come back to the Lord. Once they start turning back to the Lord, you, you welcome them back in. As a full brother or sister in Christ, and and uh, you bring them into the full fellowship, and so Paul is is uh, still correcting, um, he's still answering some questions, he's still dealing with some of that that issue of um, the wrong theology and the wrong practice um, in Second Corinthians that were still happening in First Corinthians, um, and so another of the issues that why that happened or why there was uh, such a debate or dilemma was because of how the church, some of them, um, and enough of them, I guess, to cause a problem, some of them saw Paul as an inferior apostle. Um, and I think that on some level, Paul understood that uh, he, had this, um, he had this reputation, I guess, of, of being an inferior apostle, uh, to, you know, John and Peter and James and some of those other apostles, the, what he would say the super apostles. Um, and the reason, though, wasn't because he was a later trans uh, uh, or a convert, was because Paul suffered so much. Um, there was this idea that because um, Paul's uh, suffering was so severe, it was so intense that he was persecuted so much, beaten and shipwrecked and, and went through so many hardships uh, that there was an idea that, well, I wonder if uh, maybe he's just not as highly favored by God as these other apostles. And there began to be this kind of a question about uh, where Paul stood um, in, in that, that lineup of, of authority or blessing or favor with God because of his sufferings, and Paul um, would go to great lengths to actually highlight um, the, the reality that his sufferings made him uh, better, that, that they were the proof or they were the evidence of God's uh, faithfulness and God's graciousness uh, to him, not that they were uh, a question mark or a somehow detraction from his authority or from um, his standing with the Lord, but that we all go through um, suffering. We all will uh, experience persecution as believers at some point. If you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to find yourself in, in, uh, at odds with the world. And, and Paul actually makes a very clear case about that, and he defends his ministry, and that, that begins in, really in chapter uh, 10. Um, but what he's going to really uh, eventually lead up to is uh, the reality of of the thorn in the flesh that he had, that that Jesus gave him a vision uh, of of why he suffered so much and the need for that suffering and the point of it, which was that uh, God, or Jesus, told him, he said that my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, three times Paul asked for this this thorn in the flesh to be taken away, um, and, and the temptation that he had or the, uh, the pain that he had, the disability that he had, and there's really, it's not clear what it, particularly was. Um, we're not sure. it was. It was a, somehow he said it was a messenger of Satan. It was tormenting him. Um, and when he prayed for it to be taken away, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made complete um, and perfect in weakness. And Paul understood that it was in his weaknesses, in his need for the Lord, in the, in the times where he struggled the most, in the times that he felt uh, the worst was when he was most reliant on Christ, and so he he didn't mind uh, that stigma. It was it was okay for him. In fact, he actually um, was a champion for those that suffer. And so, first or Second Corinthians um, actually begins with this whole idea of the God of all comfort. And so, chapter one. In verse 3, he begins this this whole statement about um, God comforting us and that he comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort other people when they're afflicted as well, Uh, that there's this beautiful relationship between how we experience God's grace, his love, his comfort, his strength, um, his healing, so that we can then uh, legitimately offer it to other people uh, who need to know uh, the reality of the gospel in our own lives. It's not just a theory or, or a theology, but it's actually been uh, experienced, lived out, um, and, and we know it by the, the reality of, of our own um, having been through the things that God has promised and also that God has brought us through. And so Jesus says that uh, in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so Paul experiences that. Uh, to a great degree, and uh, and really encourages Christians, and we see this throughout the New Testament, um, that Christians are t- supposed to um, understand that suffering and, and uh, pain and and being at odds in the world is really part of what it means to be a Christian. That it it's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to be avoided. Um, it's something that uh, helps us to train us to follow the Lord closer, and, and that has a purpose. And it doesn't mean that we're going to suffer intensely uh, 24-7 for our entire life, but that when we go through seasons of suffering, we're not supposed to blame God or question uh, the the reality of God or the love of God, but that uh, he has a purpose in that. Uh, so Paul, um, in 2 Corinthians, um, he, he highlights some really important theological truths um, throughout the, I'm not going to go into all of them. I mean, obviously we could uh, talk endlessly about all the things in every book of the Bible that uh, is important. But just a couple of particular highlights. One is that in Second Corinthians we have um, the uh, greatest statement of what we call imputed righteousness uh, that exists anywhere in Scripture. Paul says in 2 uh, Corinthians 5:21, uh, he says, "For our sake, he made him, uh, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, that statement is so powerfully packed, full of meaning. And when we say imputed righteousness, what we're talking about is uh, the, the issue that God um, transfers uh, sin, our sin, onto Christ on the cross, and he transfers Christ's righteousness uh, onto us. So there's this s- switch that God uh, makes when we accept Jesus Christ, that when God sees us, He actually sees Christ. He actually sees His Son. He actually uh, looks at us and and uh, understands and believes and and knows that that we are a new creation in Christ. And so that's what Paul says. We are regarded as new creatures in Christ, that we have become, a changed being that, that that that's a reality that we have. And so that statement is backed up with this understanding of imputed righteousness. How does that work? It's, uh, it's done in the sense of we have a, a theological or an eternal standing based on faith. That is that Christ is in me. Uh, my sin has been placed on the cross. And so Christ actually didn't just pay for sin on the cross. The Bible says that he became sin on the cross, um, that he actually embodied the sin of the world on the cross and then died as payment for our sin. Um, So it it is uh, such a fundamental and fantastic uh, theological truth that is highlighted in 2 Corinthians. Um, The the entire book is full of these nuggets of just uh, profound wisdom and, and teaching and knowledge um, and, and so he, he goes on with uh, uh, some other teachings that are really vital. Um, but one is this whole sense of the, the body um, being a tent and that it's going to eventually um, receive its, its new creation, and that we long for that, um, that we actually are desiring to be covered and clothed with our permanent um, uh, new cre- creation, that we already experience it internally, um, but when we go to be with the Lord, when the resurrection happens, uh, that we will finally experience it uh, in a complete sense. Right now, we have a an internal sense of it, but in the future, we will have a complete sense of it. it will, it'll actually be our living reality. Um, and so some of these things are, are so um, important that it's, it's hard to even... Uh, try to overview them in just a short time. Um, One last thing I'll just say is that uh, in 2 Corinthians, we have um, some wonderful teaching about giving. Um, Some of the most uh, important teaching to the church about giving, uh, the heart of the matter being that God loves a joyful giver, uh, but that we need to uh, really be intentional about how we uh, give, how we um, use the money or the, the things that God has given us, the possessions that God has given us, uh, to give back to him uh, in some sense of, of uh, worship, that it's a spiritual act, that it's not a legal obligation uh, so much as it is uh, a spiritual act of, of worship to be able to respond to God with the things that he has blessed us with in order to uh, bless his kingdom, bless others, um, and see that, the things of this world um, can be used for his glory. Uh, and so that's uh, such a powerful teaching in, in uh, chapter 9 uh, and uh, needs to be highlighted in our lives as well. And uh, then last of all, um, I'll just say that uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians, you have this uh, teaching, um, and, and I think this is woven throughout 2 Corinthians, okay? it's But it's this teaching about what is... Um, false and what is true, what is uh, imitation and what is reality or authentic, and uh, in chapter uh, eleven um, he begins this this whole issue about the not only false teachers, false apostles, but uh, the the substance of where these things come from is uh, from Satan, who is uh, a an impostor of an angel of light that he tries to deceive the world, uh, through getting, um, or the deception of trying to get the world to believe that what is bad is actually good. Um, and I think that that's such an important teaching for our day, uh, where in our culture right now, in our day, we have so much emphasis put on, um, the, the things of this world that the world is trying to shove down everybody's throat that are actually good and they're and they're actually evil uh, we're talking about sexual immorality we're talking about gender identity issues that uh, the the world is is trying to convince um, people and I say the world I mean the it's really a satanic philosophy uh, but trying to convince the everybody and and this is included in the church we have many issues within uh, many churches where people are, Um, receiving lies instead of the truth because Satan makes it look appealing. Um, But it's this idea uh, that what is evil is actually good, and what is good is actually evil. Um, Isaiah had prophesied that that would happen, that we would call evil for good and good for evil. Um, And how that happens is that Satan masquerades as an angel of light, uh, portraying what is sinful as being preferable. Um, and, the, and the church has to dig into the word of God, um, even more so in these days, because uh, without a proper knowledge and an understanding of what God's word says, uh, we will not be able to see that deception when it comes, because the majority of the world believes it, and the majority of the world is going to put pressure on the minority uh, to accept it. And uh, what you have in Paul uh, as being a figure who uh, causes people to feel uncomfortable because he speaks the truth in, lo- in love, but he speaks it unapologetically, is what the church uh, really needs to get back to and be all about. Uh, so Second Corinthians, a uh, fantastic book. I hope that you'll read it soon. It is, after all, your Bible, book by book.